You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Merry Christmas. My Christmas lights went up yesterday, baby. It's Christmas time right now. I'm not waiting. <laughs> I'm thankful every day of the year. It's Christmas, November through December. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody who is thankful that it's Christmas time? Well, grab your Bibles and turn them to Revelations chapter 2. Last week, uh, we started a series called Letters to the Church. How many people thought last week was amazing? Come on, it was so good. We're going to continue on in that. And in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, um, there are seven letters written to seven different churches. And uh, we're going to investigate those letters over the next coming weeks. And uh, last week, we talked about the first letter, which was the church of Ephesus. And uh, in that letter, uh, Jesus is telling them, and he's saying, you have done amazing, but you have lost your first love, fire. Everybody remember that. You've lost your first love fire. You need to repent and go back to the way that you once did things, and then I will stay with you. And, and so today we're going to be switching to another letter, and uh, it's beginning in verse 8, and uh, it starts with this. It says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life Again, come on, we could just stop right there. Is anybody glad that Jesus is alive and he is not dead? Come on, my God may have died 2,000 years ago, but three days later, he rose from the dead. He is alive today. And the book of Revelations isn't about revealing the devil. It's not about revealing the end times. It's about revealing the Son of God who is coming back for a pure and spotless bride, which is you and me in the church. Is anybody here who is thankful that at the end of the story, you and I are victorious? Why? Because he is victorious. Amen. Come on, somebody. We need to be excited about what the end of the book says. We sang it about it today, that Jesus is alive and he wins. Amen. So verse 9 says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Doesn't that just sound good? Man, let me just say that again. <laughs> I know about the slanders of those who say they are Jews, but are not. They are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. And everybody said, amen. So verse nine says this, it says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. Turn to your neighbor and say, baby, I'm rich. Come on, say it like you're actually rich. Say, I am rich. There, there have been many times in my life where I have been in a sad, desperate place. And you're like, I'm there right now. Well, I, I've, I've been in alone and isolated. I've been feeling like no one knows or cares. Uh, there was one time, I remember my, about 10 years ago, I was working in the political arena, 
and uh, I was working up at a state capital in Olympia. I had a job that I thought was going to be like the forever. It was going to take me from one place to the next place to the next place. I prophetic words over my life. You're going to be in politics, and you're going to do make great ripples in the, in the political arena. And so I'm up there, and I'm doing what God has called me to do, and I'm living a great life. And a month in, I get fired. It was amazing. I can remember calling my wife. Literally weeping on the phone, driving from Olympia back to Woodland. I think she, she literally got pregnant. Like, you were or you got pregnant a couple weeks later. She was pregnant, so it was a great time. And I remember coming back and just feeling totally embarrassed, not wanting anybody to know what was going on. Like, no one could understand what I was feeling in that moment. Not one person, because I was the only one going through anything challenging. And I just remember being like, God, I... I literally was living for you. Like I was doing everything you wanted me to do. I was, I was being a good person. I was serving you. I was loving you. And here I am. Here I am without a job. Here I am at the end of a rope. I got nowhere to go. I got a kid on the way. I'm alone. And surely nobody knows what I'm going through. And I'm like, God, I don't even know if you know what I'm going through. Is there anybody here who's ever wondered if God actually is knowing what they're going through? Like, God, do you, do you care? Do you care about me? Like, have you remembered me lately? Because I've remembered you, but it doesn't feel like you've remembered me. Is there anybody here who's thought that? You could be even brave enough to say, yeah, I'm kind of feeling like that even a little bit right now. Like, God, do you know? Do you even know? Reminds me of a story back in 1 Kings. It's about um, Elijah, and, and uh, he's, there's, been a, there's been no rain for about three years in Israel. And, and this guy, he's a prophet of the Lord. And he, so he calls King Ahab, who's the king of Israel, and he says, listen, gather up all of Israel. Let's go up on Mount Carmel and grab all the prophets of Baal. And there we're going to see who the real God is. And so everybody gathers on top of the mountain. And you got the prophets of Baal over here, and you got Elijah over here. And he says, okay, prophets of Baal, I, we're going to create two altars. We're going to put, we're going to get a, an ox and we're going to cut it in half and place it on each altar. And whichever God sends fire from heaven down and burns up the sacrifice, that's the real God. I think we need to start doing church like that today. <laughs> Barbecue. That's how we're eating lunch. And so the prophets of Baal, they do their thing. They put the ox on there. They start early in the morning. They start, you know, calling on Baal to come and burn the sacrifice. And I love Elijah because... He shows that you can be sarcastic and still be a Christian. And he says, hey, I think your God might be resting. Maybe you should shout louder. Maybe he can't hear you. He might be busy doing something else. You might want to get his attention. And so the prophets of Baal begin cutting themselves and begin doing whatever it takes to get the attention of Baal. And as you can imagine, by the end of the day, nothing has happened. So Elijah says, my turn. So he goes over to his altar cuts the ox in half, places it on the altar. Then he says, come and bring water and pour water on the altar. And he does it three times. They pour water on the altar three times, which as you can imagine would make it very difficult for that ox to burn. And then he prays and fire from heaven. Imagine this, fire from heaven falls down and burns his sacrifice. I mean, imagine that. That's the God that we serve today. Fire from heaven falls down and burns his sacrifice. Then, 
in Old Testament style, he turns to Israel and he says, now slaughter all the prophets of Baal. Come on. I love it. Might be time to bring back the Old Testament again. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. There's a new covenant. So then Elijah goes on top of the mountain, even higher, and he brings up his servant. And he says, okay, we're going to pray that rain comes. If you know the story, he begins to pray, and he sends his servant out seven times to go look at the sky. Tell me, can you see anything? The seventh time he comes back and he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's fist. And then it begins to downpour. So he just saw the, the, the fire from heaven fall upon the sacrifice. He just saw all the prophets of Baal slaughtered. Then he sees rain coming as if it couldn't get any better. He says, you know what? I'm going to be the first superhero in the Bible. He tucks the cloak into his belt and he beats King Ahab's chariot back to the palace. I don't know if you got that. He ran from the top of a mountain faster than a horse and a chariot back. So when your kids are like, are superheroes real? You could say, yes, son. And you open up first kings and you show them how Elijah ran faster than a horse. So this guy's had a good day. He's had a really good day. Now let me pick up the next part of the story. First Kings 19 verse 1. And it says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Now you would think in this moment Elijah would have been like, I just saw fire from heaven, I just saw rain come, and I just was, became a superhero he would have been bold as a lion and said, no, you're going to die just like the prophets of Baal. That's what we would have expected, but this is what he did. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, and while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush. I don't know what the heck that is. And sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush, and he fell asleep. Like in that moment, you just saw three amazing miracles. We would have anticipated the response to have been the man of God. Would have stood there and said, no, you will not defile the living God any longer, Jezebel. You will die today, just like the other prophets. But instead, he runs away, and he says, God, just kill me now. Do you even care? Do you even notice? Me? I mean, you talk about a good day ending poorly. This is what our lives as believers look like often, is we serve the Lord and we do great exploits. We come to church, we respond to the altar call, and then on Monday morning we go to the same job that we hate with the boss who doesn't like us, and we go home after work and the spouse that doesn't love us and the kids who can't stand us and our finances are still in disarray, and we're like, God, I responded. I worshiped you. Where are you? Where are you? Do you even care about my situation? I'm still in the same marriage that is still having the same problems three years in. I'm still struggling in my finances and I can't get out. My son or my daughter still won't talk to me. I'm still in the same problem with my job or in this relationship or in that. And we can't understand why. Is there anybody here who can, who can say, yeah, I felt that before? Thank you, Sonny, one person, awesome. I'll preach to you today. And we sit there and we're like, God, do you care? Do you care about me? 
Do you even know what I'm going through? Do you even want to help me improve? Is this my lot in life? Is it always going to look this way? Man, I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody this morning, but some of you, either the silence is an amen. I'll take that. And this is, this is what God wants to tell you today. I know. I know. He knows. He knows exactly what you're thinking. But you know what? He doesn't see it the way you do. He does not see your problem the same way. He looks at your poverty and your afflictions, and you know what he says? Man, you are rich. Man, you look real good. Man, you are just blessed and highly favored. But God, I got no money, and I can't do anything in my marriage and my kids. And he's like, man, you are rich. See, when you have nothing, you have everything in the kingdom of God. When you're last, you'll be first. When you're empty, you'll be filled. There, our God has an amazing way of taking the things that we view as lack and looking at them in terms of abundance. And I felt like God wanted to come and to say something to many of you today, and it's that he knows, and you want to know how he knows? He knows it because he is present. He hasn't left you. His faithfulness has not run dry. He's never going to quit watching you and caring about you. He loves you. But he doesn't see it the same way you do. He doesn't see it that way. And here's Elijah. Had a great day. Doing awesome. He's been to church for years. He's been tithing. He's been worshiping. He can repeat the songs. He can quote scripture verses. He's told a few people about Jesus. And at the end of the day, his life is still the same. And he's like, God, do you even care? Do you even care about me? Do you even know? Just kill me. I don't want to have anything to do with this anymore. God knows. Not only does he know, but he's involved. He's listening. He's interested. He's actually at work. The moment that you think that God is taking a day off, you've lost all perspective about how amazing our Father really is. Your God cares about you. Thank you. He knows. And you know what? Before I move on another minute, if you're here today and you feel like, man, I am in something and I felt alone. I felt isolated and I haven't felt the peace of God. I have felt the joy of God. I felt separated from Jesus. I felt like nobody understands what I'm going through. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet and I want to pray over you that you would feel the peace of God right now. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Anybody. Come on, anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? We're going to pray. And I believe that this morning you're going to feel the peace of God. You're going to feel his arms actually wrap around you. And where you have felt isolated and alone, you're not going to feel that way anymore. So if you're around them, I want you to put your hands on them. If you're away from them, just stretch your hands. And I want you to pray as if you're the one standing. I want you to begin to pray that the love of God and the peace of God would fill them. That isolation would be broken. In the name of Jesus, we speak to the lies that have been spoken and have been believed that said that no one cares and that you don't care. God, we declare over each one of these individuals peace and life and hope. You are not forgotten. You are not neglected. You are not an outcast. You will not be left behind. You are loved. You are believed in. God knows what you're going through. His faithfulness is for you. It is not run dry. 
God, and I just ask for the peace and the love of Jesus to come and flood their hearts. God, that they would know that you are still on the throne, that they would know that you are involved, you are at work, you have not left them to figure it out on their own, but God, you are right with them step in step. Not only that, but you are actually leading them through the valley of dry bones. You are leading them through the, wor the worst of the worst. You are leading them through it, that you didn't uh, want them to go through it to camp there, but God, you're leading it through them so that when they get through it, they can turn around and say, look what my God has done in my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Verse 9 says this. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Mm. But are a synagogue of Satan. I love, I love Jesus. He says things so I, I can just quote him. Like, that's, that's quotable. Don't be a synagogue of Satan. So a couple, a couple of days ago, we, experienced, we had Halloween, and uh, I, was, I was in an office and um, was walking out, and um, a, a man walked by with a firefighter's outfit on. And he had the whole getup. Like, he looked good. Like, something with a firefighter's man outfit. I'm just saying, it makes a man look like a man. I, I would know. I, hey, hey. Hey, I, praise the Lord, I've been working out. My wife's prayers have been answered. Be prepared, because summertime, baby, there's going to be some muscles up on this stage. It's going to take about seven or eight months to get there. Now, see, what happened was I gained weight on our trip, and I was like, my pants don't fit anymore. <laughs> so I got to start working out. It worked. So it was Halloween, and this man walked by, outfit on, helmet on, like had a fake axe, like he had the whole thing, and um, he was amazing. If you didn't know it was Halloween, you would look at him and say, that man is a fireman. Now, if you took that man and you placed him in the midst of a fire and said, all right, bro, save the people, don't get freaked out, use the hose, know what you're doing, solve the problem, that man would run away freaked out and scared. He didn't have a clue what he's doing. He's just wearing a costume. Like he's just, on the outside it looks like a fireman, but he didn't have a clue how to use the equipment. Like it's Halloween on most Sunday mornings at church. Like we all wearing the right costume. Y'all looking good, wearing your church outfit, putting your, your nice hairdo on, like you put the perfume on. You went the extra mile. Like, you know how to raise your hands when Luke says shout, you're like, yes, you do it. You sing the songs. You're like, I like this new song. I'm going to see a victory. I like singing about that. But put you in a situation where you need faith and perseverance, where you're in a challenging, impossible moment where the only outcome is if God shows up, and you're like, ah, I don't know what to do. Because you're just wearing a costume. And on the inside, you really don't even know him. But man, you look good. You look fine. Like, everybody else around you believes that you're real. You say the right things, you look the right way, you walk the right way, and when you're around people, you definitely won't watch the wrong things or say the wrong things, but get you alone? 
Get you by yourself when no one's watching. Put you in a situation where God has to show up. And all of a sudden, you say you're a Christian, but you realize real quick that you're not. Because faith is nowhere to be found. Peace, can't find it anywhere. Joy, what's that? What am I full of? Anger, doubt, fear, sexual sin. Everything is entangled me, but on the outside I look good. And he's saying, I know. Put the verse back up there. I know. I know. Maybe we don't know. We can't tell. We can't see through the costume. But he knows. He sees through it. And underneath of that, you know what's there? A synagogue of Satan. House of the devil. Full of lies. Full of hate. Full of doubt. Full of fear. You look good. This morning I felt like God wants to come in many of your hearts. And he wants to say, I know. I know. I know you've been looking good. I know you've been putting on a good show, but I know. I know you come forward for the altar call and you raise your hands and you show up at church and you put some money in the bucket. I know. But I also know what's underneath the costume. And if you're not careful, that costume ends up hiding a synagogue, a house of the devil. No one around you will know. They can't tell the difference. Only he knows. He knows. No matter how good you try to hide it, he knows. Got real quiet in here. He knows. He knows every thought you think. Maybe you don't look at porn, but you lust and you're perverted. Maybe you don't mouth off to your boss, but you chew out your wife. Show up on church on time. As soon as you leave, start yelling at your kids. Come to church so you look right, but really when you leave here, you don't even think about Jesus. Your Sunday morning experience, that's it. He knows about your costume. Should we move on from that? Let me just read you a verse to change the mood. Romans chapter 2. It says, a person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly. Sounds familiar. Now when this says Jew, think of believer. A person is not a believer who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision, everybody say ouch, merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart. By the Spirit, not by do's and don'ts, not by rules and regulations, not by being a good person. It's of the heart. And circumcision of the heart is done by the Spirit, which means if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, it's going to be really hard for Him to do circumcision on your heart. That's why David says, search my heart, O God, and know if there be any wicked in me. This is what you need to do when you come before the Lord every day. Say, God, search me. See if there be anything in me that I need to get rid of. Let him come in and slice. Verse 10. Romans 2, verse 10 says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. 
I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. Man, this is just a good passage of Scripture. It's just a blessing, isn't it? Man. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Why does it say 10 days? Because there's an ending. Because someday, whether it's in this life or the next, I will not be persecuted anymore. I will live with my Jesus for eternity in heaven. And so even if you're persecuted in this life, be excited because it's going to end eventually. There's an ending point to it. But be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. My wife and I, we went to Rome recently. One of the things I told her we had to do is we had to go to Paul's prison. Like, I didn't care about anything else. I want to go to Paul's prison. And it's the Mamertime prison. It's next to the Colosseum. And uh, we went there, uh, and you, you walk down these corridors, get down kind of underground, and then you walk downstairs into the cell. If you've ever seen the movie The Apostle Paul, I highly recommend watching it. It takes place in this cell. And you get down there, and there's just a hole, literally a hole in, in the ceiling where they would drop stuff down. And it was a powerful moment. I began just, I opened my phone and just began to read the Bible of what Paul wrote while he was in that prison cell. He wrote many of the books of the Bible in that prison cell, that very one. I just began to read him through Philippians as he's talking about, I'm in these chains, like writing, experiencing it at that moment, what he was feeling, looking around, realizing, man, this guy was in the most hopeless of hopeless situations. Like he was willing to give everything for the gospel. And in there, I'm realizing, man, I, I, I don't know what lengths I'm willing to go for Jesus. Like what? To what extent am I willing to live for him? See, we've, we've created a Christian relation or a Christian lifestyle that believes that when you become saved, God wants your life just to be awesome, and amazing, blessed, perfect, no problems, no heartache, no pain, nothing. That's who my God is because he loves me and he's the best. That's what we think. And yes, my God is a good father. But did you know that it actually says that you will be persecuted? And if you're not, you might be going the same direction as everybody else. But we think, no, not Jesus. Jesus would not let anything bad happen to me. And if something bad happens to me, it's the devil. Somebody criticizes me as the devil. I just won't put my, myself in that situation again. Let me read some verses for you. Matthew 10, 22. You will be hated by everyone. Drop the mic. Boom. You will be hated by everyone because of me. Not because you have the spirit of stupid on your life. That would be a great series sometime. Spirit of stupid. <laughs> like not be, you're not be hated by your landlord because you forgot to pay the rent and then that's the devil like hating you because you forgot to pay no no everyone will hate you because of Jesus living in you but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved Matthew 5:11 blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me if everybody around you is saying great things about you you're doing something wrong if everybody around you is saying great things about you, you're doing something wrong. How can you say that, Pastor? It's because when I look in Scripture, and I look at every single person that you and I want to model our lives after, everyone around them was trying to kill them. 
everyone i'm going to read you in a moment what the end of their lives looked like first peter 5:10, and the god of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in christ after you have suffered for a little while will himself restore you and make you strong firm and steadfast first peter 4 12 through 16 dear friends do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be shocked at this fiery ordeal that's happening to you as if this is weird. Don't be surprised. Let me say it again. Don't be surprised at this fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should be not as a murderer or as a thief or as any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. Come on, we need to get the gossiping and meddling spirit out of the church. However, if you suffer as a Christian, come on, so many people are meddling other people's businesses, lose relationships and get offended and call it persecution. No. Get your nose out of other people's business, focus on you, and stop gossiping. It's amazing how you won't get offended and you won't offend others. That wasn't in my notes. It just felt really good. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God. Praise God if you suffer. That you bear that name. That name above every name. I went to Iraq a couple months ago. And my wife and I, we had a couple of weeks beforehand where things were getting really bad over there in Baghdad where we were going. And uh, some insurgents blew up a building, shot a missile. And that's where I was going. Now normally when I think about where I'm going, it's like a grocery store. (laughs) Or the mall. And now I'm going where rockets are exploding. And I'm like, this boy's out. I'm not going. And we just begin to pray. And I, I mean, I have never been scared for my life, ever, till that moment. I've gone skydiving, done crazy, stupid stuff. I've never been scared for my life. And I just begin to pray. And I'm like, God, like, should I go? Should I risk my life for this? And he's like, How dare you ask other people to risk their lives when you won't risk yours? How dare you sit on your butt in your home and think that this Christian walk was simply so you could live a blessed life? No, it's so that you can go to the ends of the world preaching the gospel to those who don't know it. And if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. When we went there, we were going to go to a mosque and preach the gospel, which it was an Iranian-run mosque and a very dangerous a watch list. People on the watch list were there. And when we go, David, who will be here at some point, came and he said, he told Chris and I, he said, I believe the scripture where it says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. He said, I believe it. So if we go in there and they put a gun to your head, you best not deny him. He's like, I actually believe that. Like we quote that. He said, I believe it. So you better be willing to die if you get on this bus. This is real. This is real. The faith that you have inside of you, if it just stays inside of you, I I would venture to say it's never been tested to know if it's real. You can't test it. You can't test it in here. You can't test it. God's asked you 
Are you willing to lay your life down for him? Let me show you in scripture what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, to truly be a follower of him. Put this list up there if you can, Kelsey. John, do we have this list? John was exiled to the island of Patmos. Stephen was stoned to death. Matthew was stabbed to death in Persia. Mark died as horses pulled his two legs apart. Luke, he was hanged. Peter, Philip, and Simon were all crucified on a cross. Bartholomew was skinned alive. He was skinned alive for the gospel. Thomas died in India as five horses pulled his body apart. Apostle James was beheaded. Little James was cut in half by a sharp saw. James, the brother of Jesus, was stoned to death. Judas, not Judas who, who um, you know who. This is the ne- other one. He was tied to a pillar and shot by arrows. Matthias had his head cut off in Jerusalem, and Paul was a martyr under Emperor Nero. Are you willing to actually go forward and say, God, this gospel is a gospel not of being comfortable, not of just sitting back and watching everybody else do the work, but it's a gospel that says, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to not just send money, but to go. I'm calling you to not just watch from a distance, not just be a cheerleader on the sidelines, but will you go and be expectant for persecution? It has to come. It has to. Because it is evidence of a life fully devoted to Jesus. It's evidence of it. You should have persecution in your life. That's what it's saying. And you should glorify God in it because you're saying, I'm I'm like Jesus. My wife said this morning, she mentioned Brother Yoon who came a couple, maybe a month ago. And he's a, he's a Chinese man who's been tortured more than you can ever imagine. If you haven't read his book called The Heavenly Man, I'd encourage you to read it. There's times where they literally broke his legs. He couldn't walk, and God healed his legs, and he walked out of prison. He's been beaten so badly, he's been unconscious at the point of death numerous, numerous times. This is a man who's been through every unimaginable. They've put... Um, batons that shock you in his mouth trying to kill him they've done everything possible to him and he's like i'm ready for the next one there are people in china right now who are learning to be missionaries in foreign countries who buy one-way tickets where they will probably be killed and they will go and preach the gospel until they die they will never come home again That's the gospel. And this is what he says in verse 10. He says, do not be afraid for what you're about to suffer. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because we know, or I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. But be faithful, even to the point of death. There should be persecution in your life weird to say I know there should be I'm not telling you to be rude I'm not telling you to be mean or abrasive I'm telling you to use wisdom and love but when you live like Jesus you will face persecution
Why don't you stand with me? Romans chapter 5 says this, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Man, how do you stay the course? How do you not give up? Suffering produces that. But God, I want perseverance in my life. I don't want to quit. I want to stay steadfast. I want my fire to never go out. You want to know how that happens? Through suffering. How does faith get stirred in you? How do you not quit? How do you not get distracted? Through suffering. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. All we want is the hope. We want the hope. Suffering, perseverance, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I've been doing this thing from a place of comfort and I'm we- I want to step out from that. I don't, I'm not telling you what it will look like, but I will tell you this. I'm tired of messages being about God is calling you to Walmart and I want people to be, be getting words in their hearts to say, I'm called to a place where I might die. I want to hear testimonies from people that say, God is putting something on my heart to go to a place where I know people are going to hate me. That's the gospel. That's the gospel, to go and to not be afraid of what you will encounter. I want Walmart to be saved. I want Woodland to be saved. I want, I want great families, and I want the houses that are next to you where the seven-year-old lady in there has been, and you know she's not going to yell at you, and so you'll go knock on her door and tell her that Jesus loves her because you know it won't be difficult. I love those ones. But what about the guy What about the guy who's the heroin addict, who when you look at him, freaks you out and scares you half to death? Will you go to that one? Will you go to the one who looks all put together, dresses nice, gets out of the nice car, and you know if you go talk to him, they're probably going to be like, bro, I don't need that. I'm fine. Will you go to that one? Or will you go to the ones who look like, oh, that's the homeless guy. You know, he's going to receive me well and welcome me because, you know, he, he wants to have a friend. Will you go to the ones who you know will be difficult? I believe God wants to raise up people in this church who say, I will not just go the easy route, but I'll go the Jesus route, and I'm willing to suffer for Christ no matter what it takes. I will go. And if that's you, I just want you to put your hands up to heaven, and I would just, I want to pray for this church. I want to pray over me that we would be a people that are not ashamed. God, that we would be a people, Father, who, who take off our outfit, who take off our camouflage, who take off our costume. Father, and we, we're the real deal. Before we pray for this, if you're in this room and you've been hiding underneath a costume and inside you're realizing it hasn't become real, I want you to come up right now and we want to pray for you. If you're saying, that's me, I've been, I've been living behind a costume, it's not real. I want you to come up and we're going to pray over you. It's not to say you don't love Jesus. It's to say this costume that you've been, you've been hiding behind needs to be broken. If that's you, come up. We just have our prayer ministry team come up. There's more of you. We'll wait. The rest of you, just keep your hands up. God, we want to be people. God, we want to be people that are not afraid. Not afraid. We want to be people, God, that 
when you say go, we go. When you say give, we give. When you say run, we run. When you say go that way, we go that way. Say this, we say this. Every single one of you is in a place today to begin to live louder. Every single one of you has been placed in a situation, in a job, in a family, in a business, in a relationship where if you take a step, you will probably face persecution. If you speak out, you will probably face persecution. If you stop being silent, you will probably face persecution. Every single one of you, you don't have to go to Asia for it. You don't have to go to Africa for it. Every single one of you is in a place right now. So God, we ask that each one of us in the place where you've planted us today would live loud. God, fear be broken. God, in me, break fear in me. Break fear in me. Just lay your hands on your heart and begin to break fear. God, let the fear of man be broken in me in the name of Jesus. Let pride be broken in me in the name of Jesus. We take authority. Blood of Jesus, cover us right now. Renew our minds. Everything that's happened in the past where somebody has discouraged us, where somebody has ignored us, where somebody has lied to us or said wrong things to us, God, erase those things. God, renew a steadfastness in our hearts where we won't be deterred by facing persecution or suffering, but we will answer the call to say, God, I will go. God, that there will be people in this church who will say, God, I'm willing. I'm willing to lay my life down. I'm willing to not, to not just go the easy route, to not just stay comfortable. God, I'm willing to actually give it all. I believe God's doing something in many of you right now where he's beginning to show you things. He's beginning to remind you of words spoken. He's beginning to quicken your, your mind and your heart to say, I've been asking you to do this. Will you respond? Will you say yes? He's speaking to you right now. Every doubt, every shame, every feeling of I'm not good enough, be broken in the name of Jesus. We have many nurses in this church. God, I pray that every nurse who's at the bed of a sick, per sick person, a dying person, God, that you would give them authority in the name of Jesus and you'd break fear, that they would lay their hands on those people and they shall recover, that you'd give them authority in those hospital rooms, in those nursing lounges with other nurses, when they're speaking to other doctors, that our hospitals would encounter a move of God. For all those school teachers in this church, God, that want to be a light for you, God, that you would quicken their words, you'd give them wisdom, God, that you'd give them opportunity and open doors. Father, that they would not be silent any longer. They'd be willing to say, I will, I will suffer for you. I will face criticism for you at the sake of seeing the gospel go. Every business owner here, God, who is over employees, God, would you would empower them with courage and confidence to shape that culture. Father, to move that business into the kingdom of God. They will stand true. They will not falter. They will not get embarrassed or be ashamed. I pray over every stay-at-home parent who's at home with their children, raising mighty women and men for Jesus. God, that you would help them stay focused. You would not let them get tired. God, that you would give them wisdom on how to train each child. God, that they would, everywhere they go, as they go shopping, as they take their kids to school, Lord, that they would use every opportunity and take advantage of it, God, to live for you. The fear of suffering be broken. The fear of persecution be broken in the name of Jesus.